What's up, everybody? It's Kevin. Welcome to episode 16. Before we get started, a couple of real quick things. First and foremost, uh, producer Wendy's a little under the weather today. Got a text from her a couple hours before we were getting ready to start saying that she wasn't going to be able to make it, which is a drag. She's, uh, she's usually right here by my side when we have guests in the studio to sort of steer the ship and keep me on point and remind me of stuff. So if I seem a little, uh, even more tangential than normal, <laughs> that might be why. So feel better, producer Wendy. Get back here. Get back in the saddle. All right, dear. On our website, which we now have our own domain name, everybody. Pretty fucking exciting. You can now just type in lifeofreillypodcast.com and that'll take you right to our site. We're also now on several more platforms. So if you have been tethered to your computer if you have an Android device and you didn't know about the Podbean app, or if you use a Windows phone or <clears throat> anything like that, we've been on iTunes and we've had the Podbean app and the website and whatnot, which has been great. Um, I haven't necessarily gotten the word out to, you know, often enough that, that there was an Android app available via the website and you can still use that. But we are also now on Stitcher. We are on tune in and we're on Google play. So those are all places that you can find us in addition to iTunes, the website and the Podbean app. So keep that in mind, especially if you're talking to somebody about the podcast and they're like, Oh no, I can't cause I have a windows phone and I can't get podcasts. Well, they can get ours through tune in or Google play. Next order of business, if you haven't noticed, we have a new logo, and that is my guest for today's episode is my old buddy James Rotano, who did the artwork for us, and we talk a little bit about the process of that in this episode. Great guy. Haven't talked to him in a long time, so this was a fun conversation. Before I go any further, today, I recorded this episode today, Monday, July 3rd. And today is our friend Sammy's birthday. And I actually went online and looked up how to pronounce your last name, Sammy. And they tell me it is pronounced Valle. However, I know people who have that double L in their name who don't use it. So you might be pronouncing yours Valley or Valley, but I'm going to say Sammy Valle because I just think it rolls off the tongue. So happy birthday, sweetheart. Thanks for everything that you do. Thanks for following us and checking out the podcast. Hope you have a great birthday. Those are the big issues. Give us uh, give us some feedback. Let, let us know what you think about the logo, by the way, because we're super, super happy about it. A lot of thought went into it, and um, we went back and forth with James a lot to get it figured out and, and everything. So um, we'd love to hear what you guys are thinking about it. And if you want stickers, do you want stickers? Do you want some stickers? Or maybe a T-shirt or a hat or a beer koozie or something? Because we're thinking about having merch made. So... Let us know. We also, I haven't talked about this in a long time, but we have an Amazon link on our website. It's over on the right-hand side of the page. And, you know, it's just an Amazon logo on a button. It's right above, like, where the followers are, I believe. And that's what's called an affiliate link. If you click on that, 
it takes you to Amazon's site. So if you like buying stuff on Amazon and things like that, if you bookmark our webpage and use that link to get to Amazon, it's exactly the same shopping experience you've always had, but we get a little tiny percentage of whatever you spend from Amazon to us as thanks for sending traffic to them. So that's a really excellent way to support the podcast without any out-of-pocket expense to you, um, which would be much appreciated. We have some great ideas for things that we would like to do to improve your experience and um, and the show in general, and it all takes money. And um, that's one way, one painless way that you could help us to do that. All righty? All right, I think I am actually done now. So without further ado, let's get into episode 16 with James Rotano from TFU Studios. Santa Cruz, you got to be a cool guy if you're from Santa Cruz, right? Like no one ever goes, oh, this douchebag from Santa Cruz cut me off. Evan, I mean, he really drives the ship in an amazing way on the show. Funny is good, and Kevin's funny, but bright, even, even better. And the guy's just... Super high IQ. Exactly. Let's get this guy in front of a crowd. Yeah, go listen to the life of Raleigh. His last episode is gold. Oh, good. Hmm. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me. It's Kevin. Welcome to this episode of the Life of Riley podcast. I am joined today via Skype by my old buddy and new collaborator, James Rotano. How's it going, James? It's going good. (laughs) I love playing with this thing. (laughs) So I guess maybe we should start with a little bit of background. Um... I think when you were on the old podcast, we narrowed it down to we met in junior high, right? Yep. Yeah, because you went to a different elementary school than I did. Yeah, we're, I'm from Bonnie Dune, so I went to Bonnie Dune Elementary and then met you at Mission Hill. Right, and we had DiGirolamo for math. We, we established right. yeah. that. <laughs> and while we weren't super tight back in the day, we did definitely know each other, yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, we crossed paths in interesting ways. It was, uh, it was always kind of random, but um, yeah, I, I, I've always, I always kind of prominently remember you just from just from all my experiences. So cause we did go to high school together, and that was yeah. a small high school comparatively. Yeah, yeah, especially compared to how it is now. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, same here, same here, and I think that's kind of that's kind of the way my teenage years were. I kind of just. I didn't have one set crew, I guess. I was just sort of a butterfly or something. I don't really know. Um, but I feel like I knew lots of people on a sort of maybe superficial level and then a few people really well. But I, did, I wasn't one of those guys that had tons and tons of friends, you know? Yeah, right, right. When And the one thing that I didn't know about you at the time that I learned – through your graphic, you call it a graphic novel or a comic? Uh, both. Both, both is fine. I'm definitely not exclusive to either term. Okay. Um, 
So the first one I ever saw was 1985, which was such a complete trip for me. And we'll be posting links to all of this stuff in the show notes for this episode. It was such a trip to see, especially the first issue, because there is Santa Cruz in all its mid-80s glory. You know, the old metro station. And I mean, uh, your memory for locations is pretty phenomenal. I mean, did you use photographs for any of that kind of stuff or is it all memory? Um, I mean, it's both, but the locations that it's interesting you say that because the locations I eventually realized that their locations were kind of a, a character in itself. Yeah, for sure. In the play, the, the, in terms of place, and, and that's kind of what's fascinated me about this, about all these these graphic novel projects, is it's so much about the actual place and the setting that, um, yeah, I, I had I dug in deep and really wanted to try and capture pre-earthquake Santa Cruz because it just seemed like a different world back then, and I wanted to hopefully um, demonstrate that. I think you absolutely did because that's that was the next point I was going to get to is before the earthquake and everything changed downtown, especially. Yeah. So much after that. Um, And then there's the issue. I don't remember which number it was, but the Disneyland issue. Yeah. Did that that really happen? Yeah, that really happened. It was, uh, that is, that is accurate. Yeah. That is a, that is a hilarious story. You got to sort of give us the Cliff's Notes version of that story. Well, I mean, I just, I, brought a marker to Disneyland with my cousin and I, I guess we should I guess we should point out that you were a graffiti artist back in the day. Yeah, and th- this was this was about the time when I just it was full swing for me. I was really into it and I brought a marker with me and it, I think it was also seeing all my old family in down down in Southern California and like the idea of like this is who I am now, you know, this is this is what I'm about because that's how it felt. It felt like I had joined a cult. So I right. brought a marker with me and I thought, I'm going to tag up in this place. No <laughs> one's going to know and I'm going to be so smart. And they're just not like that there. They, they, they were really, um, I mean, it was it was clockwork in terms of boom, 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 arrest. Just tagged you ever. I mean, like how quick was it before somebody was on you? I mean, it was like they shut the ride down. They shut the ride down. <laughs> noted it, notified the security, and they basically closed the gate in front of you so you can't even leave the ride. Like first tag you did this happened? I think, no, I think I'd done a bunch in the bathroom, thinking I was smart and getting away with it, and then got caught on the little sky sky, uh, bucket thing that they don't have anymore. Probably why. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that, and they shut the ride down and then took me into the, the holding cell. And that's exactly what it was like. I remember it like it was yesterday. That's a great issue. Uh, what number is it? Do you remember? Num- number one. That's the first one. Oh, that first. is the first one? Yeah. Okay. It was, I mean, it was one of those things that you're reading it and you're, and especially anybody that's been to Disney, especially back then, you know, I mean, you, you captured a lot of what Disney was like back then too. And, um, less <laughs> what's that? Less crowded. Yeah, for sure. Way less crowded. But, uh, but the, you know, you, you get the impression from reading it that this is not fiction. This is, you know, he actually remembers all of this stuff. And it reminds me of a story. We went to, um, Disney World when my daughter was, shit, I don't know, 
I, I'm so bad at this kind of stuff. I think she was around 10 or whatever. Uh-huh. But, you know, she's really, really small. And back then she was um, still a lot, uh, didn't have as much stamina as she does now and things like that. And uh, medically, she was allowed to have uh, on one of those electronics, electric scooters to get uh-huh. around with it. And, you know, like so if, at school, so she didn't have to walk really far from class to class and stuff like that. And she didn't use it at school because she's like, you know, I, I stand out enough as it is, you know, I don't need this other thing making me different. But right. when, we, when we knew we were going to be going to Disney World, it's like, okay, that's that's a lot of walking. She's going to need a scooter. So we found out you can rent them at Disney. So I went in and rented one. It's like 80 bucks for a day and brought it out of the little corral where they keep them. And she hopped on and um, there's a law in Florida you're supposed to – this is so ridiculous. You're supposed to – um, be a licensed driver <laughs> to be able oh, to, really? yeah. Um, which is, I mean, those things go like six miles an hour top speed, you know, but essentially um, it's a wheelchair basically, right? Yeah. Because- yeah. Basically it's, you know, it's just like those things that you see at the grocery store that have a basket in the front of them, you know, it's one of those things without the big right. basket. And, um, so I was like, well, once we get out of the away from where we rented it from she can hop on it'll be fine and i had heard rumors of how insane security is at the disney parks but it was i mean we didn't get 10 feet with her riding it before you know it was just a person in like a blazer you know it wasn't they weren't in a uniform or anything but you know they just came up and they're like i'm sorry sir she's not allowed to ride that oh okay sorry sorry you know so i got on and put her in front of me after that person walked away, I'm like, I got on and we started to drive away. And once we were out of that person's eye line, she hopped on in front of me. And I'm like, okay, she's a rider. That'll, you know, another 10 feet. Somebody else comes up. Sorry, yeah. sir, no riders. And it, it was insane. I'm like, where are these people coming from? You know? And, but I wasn't going to take the damn thing back because I just spent almost $90 for it for the day. Right. So we had to get her a stroller and her mom had to push her around. You know, she's way too old for a stroller. Um, but, you know, there was no way she could walk the whole day. So here I am, this perfectly able-bodied, you know, I'm in my late 30s, I guess. And <laughs> riding around on one of those little scooters all day it was pretty ridiculous. Wow, man, oh, man. But, That's yeah, crazy. don't try and pull a fast one on Disney. They've got eyes everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, Disney's interesting, man. It's definitely a utopian. It's definitely safe, right? That's kind of the. It's kind of a microcosm of the world. It's, it's this safe, controlled place, and people love it. They absolutely love it, right? And that's their thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's up like, to chance, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like a friend of mine was uh, who grew up here, um, Cecilia Lucero. Do you know her? Uh, that's, that sounds very, very familiar. I probably know if I saw her. Um, I'm sure she'll let me know if, if she knows you, but, uh, she lives in San Diego now, but she was just here in town, uh, for like a week with her daughter. And, uh, a few days ago, she just, she just left you yesterday, I think. But, um, a few days ago, she took her daughter and like her niece and nephew to the boardwalk and, um, they wouldn't let her nephew into the boardwalk cause he was wearing a blue shirt. Cause it's really? a, yeah, 
Yeah. And, and then, you know, she posted because I'm sitting there going, okay, well, if it's a, maybe if it's a Dodgers shirt or if it's something like gang affiliated in some, even though he's a kid, you know, um, but I mean, he's like, what? an adolescent like a he's a young kid he's not you know he's not a threat to anybody but they're like no wow. no blue shirts on the boardwalk i'm like really a 65 year old grandmother comes in with a blue shirt you're gonna kick her out too you know it's kind of it's one of those things that seems a little profilish yeah that's interesting I, I went to magic mountain down here which is uh in southern california and yeah, I, I had a, that place yeah and he had full sleeve tattoos and a Oh man, what kind of, was it? It was like a Harley shirt uh, of some sort, and he's Caucasian. And they pulled him, you know, they they pulled him aside and said, "Sir, you cannot, you you cannot wear that. And you got to cover up those tattoos." Wow! And he had to go buy a shirt at the gift shop with like a Tweety bird on it or something, That's and wear hilarious. it the whole day. Yeah, with crazy. long sleeves on. Yes, and it gets warm at Magic Mountain. Yeah. Wow, it's, I I remember. This is a little bit more understandable, but I was in Dewey Beach, Delaware back in the 90s, and um, I had a bandana on my head and <laughs> and got kicked out of a bar or refused entry to a bar. Because... As you should have been. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I was wearing uh, biker attire. Anybody who's seen me, I'm not I, I do not have the biker look, you know, whatsoever. But yep, they're like no bandanas, no no Harley, like anything, you know, if you had a Harley Davidson t-shirt on or anything like that, even like girls with tank tops on with the Harley logo or whatever, they wouldn't let them in. Interesting how those brands, either those brands, I mean, they're successful in that they've kind of found their tribe. You know, Harley's, they're not just like, no one buys a Suzuki shirt, but Harley's become this tribe. Yeah. Dark side of that, the fact that it's become a tribe, it's the same thing with the Dodgers down here. Right. They they knew when they were marketing that it was this very local, very blue, Dodger blue. And they really marketed that. And they kind of got in trouble for it because there was so much bullshit going on at the games. Yeah. Because people from the Giants are, Giants fans are coming down here and having beef with, with Dodgers fans. And some guy, I, he was put in a coma because of it. Yeah, and, he was from Santa Cruz. Right. I can't and remember his name off the top of my head. but Yeah. So it's interesting how those brands – Seize on that, but then it backfires in a way. It's not, you can't say it's their fault, but at the same time, they kind of know what they're doing. They're kind of making a tribe out of it. Yeah. Gang, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but, well, up here, it's the Raiders, right? Right, right. You know, they've got the same sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a stigma, or a, a but it's, a, it's definitely a brand outside of football, let's say. For sure, yeah, you're right. It has nothing to do with football. It is about a tribe, man. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the art for a minute. So there was, I've seen 1985 and you said there's 1987 coming. So I assume you've already done 1986. No, no, that that's not. Yeah. 86 got skipped. Okay. <laughs> nothing really happened. I don't know. I, I get asked that from time to time. They go, Hey, what happened? I say, yeah, it's not really, nothing really exciting. I think, uh, 87 was a pretty interesting year in that uh, I met a, I met a new, a new group of people. I kind of got into a different style of music and dress and kind of got involved in skinhead. Oh, no doubt. And just wanted to always write about that. I thought, God, just to, because essentially 
the, the series is is very much about a place, but it's also if eighty five is more about a place, eighty seven is going to be much more about the concept of identity. Mm, okay. And what that means, and how we carry that into our adulthood, and some people carry their childhood identity all the way into their, their adulthood, and some people reinvent themselves every ten years. And I, I just I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, so for that's sure. What this book's about. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Is it how far along is it? Are you just starting, or is it out, or what? Done. It's done. I'm just basically putting together the marketing. Um, cutting. I always cut like a bit of a trailer. Um, I'm making displays for shops. Um, and then just getting it out there like as much as I possibly can. It's uh, uh, yeah. It's it's this is like the hard work is trying to get it out there. But yeah, it's basically done. I like I have it in my hands. It's just a matter of um, yeah, getting it out. Right. Yeah, I hear you. That's I always talk about that with the podcast. This this part that we're doing right now is the easy part. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun know? part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the fun part. It's actually getting people to listen and and having to. My daughter and I talked about this in the last episode because she's a YouTuber, you know, and it's like. It's like just constantly having to ask people to subscribe and write reviews and, you know, follow us on Facebook and all of that kind of, it's just like, I just, can I just put it out there and get lots of people to listen without having to do any of that self promotion stuff, you know? Yeah. That's, that's where you hire a a marketing firm to do it for you. Yeah. You know, they do all the icky bullshit stuff that. I mean, I hate I hate that shit too. But that's that's it's a it's a currency in itself nowadays. You it's know? so it's true. Likes, you know. It's so true. It really is. And you've you've posted some like time lapse stuff on I think it's on Facebook of you like yeah. coloring the comic and stuff. Do you do do you actually create it on a computer? No, that was just me using a, a GoPro and putting it over my desk and just basically doing the the inks. Well, the inks are done by hand. Sorry, the inks are done by hand. The coloring's all done on the computer. So, yeah, okay. that is that is computer. So, so what's the difference between inks and and colors? You basically pencil everything, and I do that by hand on paper. And I spent years working in animation and doing a lot of digital stuff. And I think that the comic for me was a way to return to having some some spending endless amounts of time on something and having an artifact, mm-hmm. having something left over. And that's what I love about the medium is it's just you and a piece of paper and you could, you, I, 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 I won't get too far into this, but I think with, with graphic novels, I mean, first you don't have to be a great artist. And second, you can, you don't have to, if you can direct your own movie, you don't need a, a producer. You don't need someone holding the, holding the boom mic. I mean, you basically right. just get all yourself. If you're in prison or desert Island, you can just basically make your own, epic yeah and that's the beauty of this and and i do love the ink on paper aspect of it so the pencils and the inks happen on the paper and that paper then gets scanned in and then the 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 colors and the lettering and then the touch-ups and everything that all happens digitally okay so inks is like the 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 black outlines and and whatnot that- yeah and that that's by hand you do okay. all that by hand and 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 do you do you panel it all out by hand too? Like, do you go okay? This page is going to be this many panels and all of that. Yeah, you do all that. That's the first thing you do. You well, you write the story obviously, but then you go ahead and you plot it all out, um, much in the way that you storyboard something that's animated or live action. You. That's what I was just gonna. That was gonna be my comparison. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the same thing. It's taking a set of ideas and then breaking them down into pages and panels and letting and then figuring out the, the, the story flow then. And once that's set in stone, then you go ahead and flush it all out. Gotcha. It's a fascinating, it's, you know, it's something I haven't really thought about, but, but watching those time-lapse things, I was kind of like, wow, this is, this is a lot of work goes into putting out just one book. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's laborious. I think that you just have to be okay with, I mean, some people just sit down and draw something for five minutes and go, oh, forget it. But I think that, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's a lot of drudgery, but at the same time, it's just, I think you do this stuff when you have no choice. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. It's my painting. I think some people paint and the idea of making a painting just seems kind of crazy to me because it's just, that just seems like a lot of work, but doing a comic is something, well, it's like painting for me. So that's like a, it's like a fine art in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and some people are that way with writing and, you know, just whatever your, whatever your passion is, I guess, you know, got it. You're doing it because you can't not do it. One of those. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, the the, the 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 people who are dil- dilettantes or who are just kind of like, you know, uh, haven't put their foot in the water, they're going to get weeded out real fast with this stuff because, yeah, it's months and months and it's just, you know, finishing it. That's that's the hard part. Yeah. Once you finish it, you're done and it's great, but it's, it's getting to that finish line that's tough. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like the, the whole process of of doing our logo – um, was it, you know, something that I've wanted to do. We even talked to you briefly about it with the old podcast, I think. And oh, then, yeah, 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 I think you did. Yeah. And then just for fun, you sent us that little stand up that was like a, like, it looked like, it looked like a tag. It looked like a graffiti tag that said school of talk. That was like a little, that thing was super cool. James kept it, but I have a photograph of it. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Whenever someone bought six of my books, I always did like a a, a little a little illustration for them. Oh, nice. A way to say thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was super cool. I'm sure he's got it in a in a place of honor in his <laughs> in his man cave <laughs> yeah. now. Um, but I do have a photo of it. I'll see if I can dig it up and post it on this episode. But you know, the whole thing with you know, because when and then when I started this show, I. I asked you about it and you were like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'm super busy right now. You know, get mm-hmm. back to me. And then I got distracted with other stuff. And then finally it's been a year and it's like, shit, I need a logo. This just photograph of myself is just, you know, it's just this thing I threw together really quick in like, uh, Picasa or some free photo software, you know, and, but it's hard to, I, I almost compare the process to, to trying to design a custom tattoo, you know, if you're not an artist and I surely am not, and you go to, you know, an artist like you or a tattoo artist, which I have some experience with and go, okay, I want this, but I can't even give you a sketch of it. That's even close to what I want. So all I can do is sort of describe it and let you, randomly come up with some ideas and see if I like any of them, you know? And, and it was so great because you came back with, I think six originally, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And the one, uh, I came really close to the one that had the big block letters that 
to me was absolutely an homage to Monty Python's Life of Brian. Oh, yeah. Was that intentional at all? I don't know. I didn't even put that together. That's so funny. Yeah. I I love Terry Gilliam, so it makes it figures that he'd influence anything I do. Same, yeah. Yeah, and and it it was like, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, he's a Monty Python fan. So it's funny that you did it sort of subconsciously or whatever. But yeah. um, but the one that we chose, what you know, there was, and we had this to the listeners. We had this back and forth that went on. I don't know, eight times or something crazy like that. It was like, okay, well, can you take the face? from that one and put it on that one, even though it's not at the same point of view and it's a different angle. And it's like not knowing what, you know, like what it is exactly that we were asking you to do, you know, like Wendy's an artist. And so she, you know, she's like, I think, you know, like, but she's, she's a different kind of artist. She's a painter. She's a, you know, so it, and I'm the only thing I know about manipulating imagery is, photography and using software on the computer to, you know, Oh, you can just flip the image or you can, you know, copy this part and paste it into that part. But I don't know if that's what James is doing. Cause the first things we saw, you could see the little, you know, all the layout pencil lines that you did and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And then, um, I just kept coming back to the one that we ended up with because of that perspective with the foreshortening of the arm and, and there's just something about that, that, um, that was so perfect. And then, I mean, how many times did we make you change the lettering dude? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's part of this job. That's part of my job. And I think that that's something that most designers and illustrators, I think at this point, if you've been doing it for a while, you're just used to that. And I think that that's, you understand, I think, when you agree to to, 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 to to work with somebody or you get hired to do something, you understand that part of your job is to, is to obviously visualize an idea or whatever the heck, but it's also to, to, to explore possibilities. Right. And you have to be sensitive to the fact that someone might not be able to get it out of their head, but you're really trying to boil an idea down to an image or a logo or an icon. What's the, what, what's going to represent this thing you're making, this car, your, this car line of cars you're designing or whatever, what's this thing that's going to boil it down? And, and it, 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 it can change. Maybe a year later you decide against it, but that's our job is to take, is to work with the client and to boil that down and to really, again, be sensitive to the fact that, you know, they might not necessarily be there mm-hmm. and, and, and understanding that, that what, what I try and do is you guide them through these steps and you go, we're going to start super rough and just go really rough and we can be rough for a hundred times. Um, but then once you narrow it down, so we're kind of narrowing you through a path. And then once that gets a little more realized and then, and then when you're starting to like tweak letters and the, the width of, of lines and anything like that, that's easy because you've got everything. That stuff takes seconds to do. Okay. But it's when that person says, you know what, we're, we're all the way down this, this road. We're going to go all the way back to the very beginning and start mm. over. And that's when it's up to us to say, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to hold this one aside and we're going to start. I mean, so it's, and I, trust me, I've been in so many different, oh my God, you, I could, I could tell <laughs> our stories, man, of people who have just been, you know, hey, someone just got back from vacation and all those weeks of work you did, it's just out the door because yeah. this dude gets to approve it. So 
yeah, it's trust me. I've I've worked with all different types of clients, and uh, you know, it's fun to work with someone who's doing something as you know interesting and creative as this uh, podcast. You know, I've never done one before, so this is my first. Well, that's awesome. Hopefully, you know, we'll get some people listening that are like, "Ooh, TFU Studios. Let me talk to them about my new logo." Um, I, uh, you know, it's funny too, because everything that you just said, when I was a carpenter, I yeah. worked in the, you know, the high end luxury residential market. And we, you know, you could say the same thing. We, you know, people would, uh, I ran a, the cabinet shop for the company that I worked for and, you know, people would order, I mean, these numbers don't sound that high to people like, you know, in California and stuff, <clears throat> because especially in Santa Cruz and places like this, a $2 million house is 800 square feet. But in Delaware, oh. two or $3 million gets you quite a lot, you know, and, uh, and $30,000 in one room of cabinetry is pretty insane. And, we would build these insane built-ins um, with all all 100% custom moldings, everything. And once it was installed, the people would be like, oh, I didn't think it was going to look like that. You know, and it's like they had been given blueprints and drawings and artist renderings and computerized walkthroughs and everything. And then, and they still could not visualize it until it was actually in the space. Wow. And, you know, a month and a half worth of work and however much money in labor and materials is it's not down the drain because they get a change order and they have to pay for the changes that they want to make. But still, you have to, you know, sort of imagine, imagine doing a, an entire issue of of one of your comics and then having to rip it up and start over just because somebody didn't like the cover or something like that. You know, it's like, I'm happy to do it again. I love the work. I love, you know, but it's sort of like, wow, this now all of this stuff is just basically going to the landfill, you know, because we, we can't take the time to dismantle it. That would cost too much money. So we just have to demo it and rip it out and throw it in a dumpster. It's, it's crazy. So, you know, uh, that's sort of my version of what you were just talking about is, you know, you try and communicate everything step by step as you're going through the whole process. And still there's some people that just can't, and it, it's just, they just, their brain doesn't work that way. It's not that there's anything wrong with them. They just can't visualize stuff. Well, that's what they're hiring you to do. Yeah. It, the, they're ripping out all that cabinetry. That's a, that sounds fucking heartbreaking. Oh, it was it was pretty brutal. These <laughs> were cut down to do that. It sounds, yeah. That's, what we that eventually is, started doing is we would buy, we would just go out and get a whole bunch of really cheap quarter inch Luan plywood and literally build just boxes um, that were the same size as each one of the cabinets and just like tape them up to the wall so that the people could get a sense of what the, what the mass of it was going to be. Um, And we would even sometimes draw with, you know, black magic marker on, we would draw the doors on and like draw the profiles of the moldings on. And it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's crazy, man. So tell me a little bit about TFU studios. 
Um, it's been a, uh, uh, it's been just something I've worked under for a while. I guess it's basically synonymous for me, mm-hmm. but I learned early on, someone said, uh, you know, I think as an artist, it's, 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 it's artist. It's very tough to, you personalize a lot of your work. Whereas when you're doing work for hire, it's work for hire. I mean, it's, 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 it's not any different than, than, you know, uh, than installing something in, or building something in someone's house. It's, it, it you ha- and you have to put it that way, but I think when you are an artist and you have your name behind something, you tend to get very precious about it. Mm-hmm. And having a name that's not you allows you to kind of step outside of that and say, okay, they disagree with TFU Studios, or they want to hire, they love these guys, and it protects you out of it. And totally. I think that's a handy thing because it, it definitely helps, you know. So that's something I've been doing for about. 25 years wow. I think and it just in, in different facets in different ways but um but yeah so does uh, TFU stand for something uh it, it was a it was a photo that some friends of mine we found of just these guys standing there looking goofy and the, the backs of the fool the fool as in f-o-o-l uh-huh. the fool union the fool what the fool union oh okay <laughs> Which is written on the back of this photo of these three punk rock guys. Um, Scotty Wheeler, um, Blair, Sky Blair, Scotty Wheeler, and Mike, Mike Erickson, Brent Erickson. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's hilarious. I'm so glad I asked now. (laughs) Photo of the three of those guys. And it was like probably like the early 80s, but I always loved the photo. And I don't know. It's It's one of these things. And I think. You put a name on something, next thing you know, everybody starts calling you that, and then you get a check in the mail with that written on it, and you go, well, it looks like that's the name. That's the name now. Yep. Yeah, Yeah, that's like, who is it? The, um, I think it's the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, the guy from the the lead singer for the Goo Goo Dolls or whatever. It was like, you know, if I had any idea that we would have the success we had, I never would have named the band the Goo Goo Dolls. Wow. Yeah, you (laughs) know who else said that was the Beastie Boys. Oh, really? Yeah, I heard him interviewed on Fresh Air or something, and they're like, so what? He's like, you know what? That's stupid name, man. We <laughs> sold a million records with that name, and that was it. Yeah, you're stuck with it. Oh, they like, hated that stupid <laughs> name. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, you can't, especially once they got like into their 40s or whatever, you know? It's kind of like, uh, yeah, I mean, we're saddled with this name now. Yeah. Oh, the boys. Like Sonic Youth, right? Like, they're in their 50s yeah. or 60s. <laughs> yeah totally totally and you do animation too as part of your as part of your thing like i was watching on your website um yeah. some of that stuff's really really cool and it's something that i've always thought it would be fun to and actually cabrillo out here for listeners that's the community college here in santa cruz um this summer they have a it's not really a full class course it's like a workshop i think in computer animation and i've always thought it would be so much fun to pull out some of the some snippets of some of the funnier or more awkward or whatever conversations from the podcast and animate them Uh, you know um so i may be I may be contacting you to, to see about that unless I'm able to actually learn how to do it. But, um, for somebody that doesn't have an art background or even a graphics or computer really background, how, how tough is it to, to learn how to, to do that kind of stuff? 
It's easier than ever right now. The software that's available, and it's the only reason I ever got into doing it was because of software. Mm -hmm. I had access to it. I didn't go to school for it. Right. I mean, you had a years ago if you wanted to animate, you had to have a you had to have a rig, which was something you had at UC at USC Film School or at CalArts. They had actual rigs with these gigantic machines that basically hold the cells and the and the planes. Right. And you you basically film shot for shot. Good 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 good. And um, you know when the software came out, like something like director which was the first one i learned on um it was it broke it was like wow this is any anyone can do this and so um yeah again it's like much like graphic novels you don't need to really be a great artist or anything to really do this stuff with with animation i think it's more about acting mm -hmm. and about um story you know the studios i worked at down here i learned that really quick oh, yeah. everybody had a mirror next to their computer so they could look at the face, they could look at their own face and make the expression and then apply that to their character. Right. Right. For like mouth movements for certain words and stuff like that. Yep. And hopping up and down in the, in the, in the office, acting something out. That was all really, and you realize like, you know, we're not really drawing here. We're actually just puppeteers mm. of these virtual characters. That's a really interesting way to put it. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, and especially 3D animation, that's, that is very much uh, puppeteering because you're dealing with these rigs. Someone's actually rigging these things digitally, like, you know, putting an arm on a, on a body and then making that motion. And that's all puppeteering. And so it's like wireframes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like puppeteering is this thing that no one really gives a lot of thought to, but that's all, that's all CG animation is. Mm. So I would say get a good background in puppeteering if you want to get good at CG animation. That, <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes sense. It's like I remember when Monsters Inc. came out and there was this whole thing. I think it was I don't I think it was like a DVD extra or it might have been they might have done it on online. I don't think so, though, but um, just about how they got Sully's fur to oh, move you yeah. know i mean that was a game changer it was you know? it was you couldn't do you couldn't do skin to, like you couldn't do really interesting skin or hair that was kind of those are all i guess you want to say those are it's all math if you think about it all those particles that are almost pieces of hair and all that stuff is all they're basically equations mm -hmm. and software that could could do that and have it fall like that was really tricky and when they figured that out it was yeah it was a game changer like you said that's crazy yeah if you want to read a good a good book about any of this stuff if you're interested in animation or just uh i i mean there's this this ed, ed campmill who was the president of pixar wrote a book called uh, creativity incorporated mm -hmm. and he talks about um, Pixar and how their theory of management basically that's what the whole book's about his theory of managing um, animators and creative people on how how what what to do and what not to do and the things that they learned from and the failures and mistakes they made and dealing with Steve Jobs right uh, but uh, he talks about their big leaps because he was a really early uh, developer of of digital animation and the big leaps for them were um, Z access which is basically having the ability to have one thing in front of something. 
You oh, weren't right. able to do that digitally up until about maybe 40 years ago. Right, right. Yeah, because it was all you had what? your you had your matte background and then the cells went on top of that. Well, in digitally, in a, in a oh, digital digitally, form, right. Okay. Couldn't put pixels on top of each other. You couldn't something couldn't overlay something. If you did, it was gone. So it was like it was like, you know, it was like doing something on a piece of paper. But once they were able to, to actually have a Z a, an index of depth, mm-hmm. so be in front of each other and then pass behind each other, that was huge. And then the second big jump was giving something a motion blur. So when something's moving, it has a little t- a little bit of a blur. Once they figured that out, they were like, we can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're you're talking even something as simple as like uh, an over the shoulder shot during a conversation or something like that, right? Like you couldn't have anything in the foreground other than like if you had a like the focus of the of the particular scene yeah. was was somebody talking it could only be their face you couldn't have a partial view of their face with the back of somebody's head in the foreground or something right right exactly wow that's it's the kind of stuff you don't think about but it makes complete sense when you do think about it so yeah, yeah i'll definitely what, what, make a note of that book because that sounds it's great man it's really really good and it's really uh Again, it's it's about Pixar and animation, but it's really about management of create your of a creative career and and just knowing that you know it's uh, uh, and their 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 management techniques up there are really unique in that it's all about kind of um, just just empowering everybody and not having these factions and all this other bullshit that you get in every workplace and they've really kind of they've gotten better at it. You know, I mean, they're not perfect, but it's definitely they're they're really good in how they how they treat everybody. And, right. Uh, inspiring. You know? Yeah, I've heard from multiple people, a couple of whom who I know personally, but others that are, you know, more celebrity type people who have actually been to the Pixar campus, you know, yeah. and just, you know, and say, you know, it's like people hear about Yahoo and Google and 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 different places like that and what the company culture is like but from what i've heard pixar is just completely out to lunch compared to everybody i mean it's like people you know people just go there and hang out on their day off yeah yeah i mean if you want to be at work that much somebody's doing something right yeah and when there's any problems when there's any issues it's dealt with right away because they see that as being a, that's the last, it's like, that's the last, like bullshit's the last thing we need, guys. That's like, downtime, is- right? Yeah. 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 That kind of stuff fascinates me when I, I had a, I had a job very briefly for a matter of months in the early nineties when I was in LA as a production assistant at a special effects house. Oh, which one? And, uh, Apogee. No shit. Yeah. Really? They're still around. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing because you know they they had worked on Star Wars and um, Indiana Jones and all. So like you, and they also did tons and tons and tons of commercials, which is right. what I worked on. And they, you know, so you walk into their lobby, and of course, in the lobby is their Oscars and stuff like that, just sitting there on a shelf. And you walk in, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And then working here, you know, and then as you're going through the hallways and up to the offices and stuff, all of the walls are just plastered with Clio awards. 
<laughs> and as you go out onto the sound stages, you remember the the opening sequence of Raiders of the Lost Ark where the he's running from the boulder. And oh yeah, the, the oops, the spears are shooting out. Not they had one of those spears actually mounted to the wall, but it was mounted vertically in this Lexan case, and you could walk by and hit a button on the wall, and the pneumatic ram would hit, and it would shoot up into the air. <laughs> And uh, oh, it, it was, it was one of the coolest, you know, they did the, they did the Pillsbury Doughboy commercials and I actually, I actually broke the Pillsbury Doughboy, which is a story <laughs> I'd love to tell people. I was actually go in for my interview and this was when they were still doing it stop motion. They, you know, it's all computer now, but they were still doing it stop motion. So I'm in interviewing. I basically had the job because I was referred, but they still were interviewing me and I don't remember the guy's name, but I'm in his office and one wall of his office is just all glass and facing into the building. And, um, and he's got this, this big, one of those big, like stained brushed aluminum, um, cases. It looks like a camera case or whatever, but you open it up and it's got the foam in it with all the cutouts, but all of the, in each of them is a different head for the Pillsbury Doughboy with a different expression and different mouth shape and all of that. And then he's got, he's got the body with one of the heads on it on his desk, just sitting there. And I'm like, is this the, is this the real? And he's like, yep, that's Pillsbury Doughboy. That's what you see on TV. I'm like, holy shit. And he's, and he proceeds to tell me, um, how much it cost them to have all the parts made and yeah. it's just this insane hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and wow. he gets up and has to, he has to, he gets like a, the intercom beeps and somebody has, to, so he's like, you know, give me one second and he leaves. And I, I just go to just poke it in the belly. I mean, of course, isn't that what oh. you do when you're sitting in front of the Pillsbury Doughboy? <laughs> so Man. I poke it in the belly and its head falls off and rolls under the desk. Uh, I shat yeah. my pants, dude. I freaked out so hard. I'm like, I, I jump down. I pick up the head. I'm trying to get it back on the body and it won't stay. There's like, I, I, I can't figure it out. I swear to this day, they must have had a closed circuit camera in that office and they must have done this to everybody who interviewed. Oh like, yeah, like, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean. But, like, uh, yeah. like he just went into the next room where everybody was sitting watching the monitor to see what the person does with the Pillsbury Doughboy, you know. Um, and you know, and I think the head was sort of back on, but not turned right when he came back in, and he pretended not. To, but I got the job, and it was amazing. We worked on, you know, I worked on uh, Firestone or Goodyear. I can't remember whichever one had the the ad campaign that had the babies sitting in the tire. I don't know if you remember those, um, but it was like these all weather and it, and all it was, was, you know, a baby in front of a chroma key sitting in a tire with like a rain slicker on or whatever. And then right. everything, everything else was just, you know, the director would go out and shoot storms and find stock footage and, you know, all in, and, and then just go, okay, well, let's see what this storm footage looks like behind this and let's drop some water and let's, you know, but we also did the, um, the Polaroid one step camera ads. And at the time they were doing, they were under 
it was on its way out and they were trying to save it. And it was like, you can get one of these cameras now for less than $35. Oh, wow. So they, so they did this whole ad campaign where it was a split screen split horizontally. And the camera was always on the bottom half of the screen. And then above it would be 35 of something else. They did one that was under 35 bucks and the top half of the screen was 35 male deer. Right. walking around just in front of a cyclorama, just this white endless background. And then um, one of the ones I worked on was under 35 bills. And what they did is they had the guy who made the ever, the Energizer bunny, you know, that he made that he, they had him make these duck bills with feet that could walk around (laughs) and, and there was, he made, he made two hero ones that could actually be radio controlled. Like you could, you could make them, you could make them walk and you could make them stop. You couldn't steer them, but you could just make them walk or stop. You couldn't go backwards and you could open and close the, the beak. And then, so there was two of those. And then there was like eight, ones that just they were basically like wind up toys they would just walk yeah right and and their mouths would just randomly open and close and so the idea was we would have the two hero ones in the foreground where they would be the that you could see the most and then the other ones would just sort of be randomly walking around and then they could multiply them digitally until there was 35 and the yeah. problem was the ones that didn't have any control didn't they they would just randomly it was sort of like that do you remember that um electronic football that they had when we were kids that just vibrated and the pieces would just sort of move around randomly oh yeah it yeah. Was, it was like that you couldn't all you wanted to do was get the ones on the left side of the the left side to walk to the right side and the ones on the right side to walk to the left side but one of them would turn towards the camera one of them would turn away from the camera so we end up having to get monofilament line and tie them to them and we have to sort of tug them. We're on either side, you know, trying to tug them so that they stay going the dirt. Oh, it was a fucking nightmare. Dude. It seemed like it was going to be so simple and it turned out to be one of the most complicated shoots that I ever worked on. It was, yeah, it's, 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 it's those cases. Exactly. When, when, like when digital solutions came up, they said, Oh God, sign us up, man. Yeah. Practical stuff's a fucking headache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the guy, the dude did bring the actual Energizer Bunny to the studio one day. It was pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think uh, it was probably, I don't know, 18 inches tall or whatever. It was in a, it was in its case. He didn't actually take it out or anything, but he's like, there it is. It's like, wow, look at that fucking thing. That's iconic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they did the, that same studio did the gopher stuff for um, Caddyshack. And all oh, of no that. Way, so they really? had, yeah. So they had all these pictures, you know, uh, there was, you know, you go to those type of places, there's always all kinds of memorabilia from past projects they've worked on. And yeah, there was, right. they, they actually had to set everything up for the gopher, um, out in the parking lot. It was this, you know, there was one, like the top level again, like, pup, you know, it was, it was, it was puppeteering. Like you, you were talking about, there was, the top level that had like AstroTurf or whatever on it. So that it looked like the, the golf course and the fairway, the green or whatever. And then under that, um, was a space for people to move around underneath, 
um, and then different places. And then there was the whole setup where you see him going through his little burrow and I, it was insane. You know, it was like nobody could park anywhere for however long it took them to shoot that. Cause they used the entire parking lot to build this big, huge platform. That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> the most famous puppet in the world. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny how much of that stuff is so like, crude in reality you know like yeah. the, the but the the editing and 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 just the the magic of making movies makes this thing that is just so simple just like even you know i was an extra when they shot lost boys here and it was just kind of like this is this doesn't seem so fancy and then you see the you see the finished product and it's like holy crap this is a movie i was in a movie, a movie. You know? yeah right the lighting, man. But yeah. That's crazy. Huh. Yeah, Lost Boys. Who'd have thought that'd become such a like a like a thing that people know Santa Cruz for? It's man. crazy. <laughs> I know they just did the I can't remember what year we just hit, but you know. Um God, what was it? Eighty seven? Did that yeah, I think it was so it might be what is that, thirty years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we just hit 30 years. So of course, I mean they 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 show it every year down at the boardwalk out, out on the beach. Um but this year, I guess it was a super big deal cuz it was 30 years. But yeah. I I never go. I can't stand those crowds down there. Yeah, I'll bet, man. Fuck. <laughs> let and um I definitely don't want to let you go without talking about this app that I just saw that you're working on for that's going to connect to the comics. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, an idea that we've been kicking around for a while. We did a, I have a prototype of it on my phone, but we haven't released it like to the Apple store yet. It's mm -hmm. just not, uh, you know, it's, it's not there yet in terms of just being completely foolproof. It just needs to get QA'd a bit more. But what you saw in that demo video is basically the short of the app for the phone. Um, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to basically make a site that you can read the comic, but you can read it again by location. So you're basically going to see a map. Right. And the comic is going to start here and take you here and then take you here. And in each of these locations, there's going to be kind of this ancillary information and, you know, uh, um, uh, street view and the, the app – the app we thought of was basically like, what if you could go to a wall and you could see all the graffiti that was ever painted there by year? Yeah. That's what we started as. And then that slowly became, what if you could make the phone into a spray paint can and you could use your phone to paint the wall and it would show up like your name, right? Okay, yeah. So we start doing that, and then we said we had problems with the accelerometer with, with the iPhone, and it's really tricky. If you turn the phone slightly, it kind of erases the line. So we, we went down this rabbit hole with that uh, about a year ago. But then um, the, the general idea is that if you could take a map, like Google Maps, which is, has an open API, you can do whatever you want with it, mm -hmm. and you could basically assign all this media to these different locations, and you could read the comic or read a, a story but basically by location. And so that's kind of what we're taking from the app and um, going to put, put it into this big website. So that's like the next 
big project once I get 87 done. So yeah, that'll be fun. So it'll be like you see the map and then there'll be what, like numbered locations and you tap one and then two. Is that the way it works? Page one, page two, and you go, it takes you narratively through it, but it also takes you through the locations that take places in the map, the real locations. And then it'll show you photographs of the different graffiti that's been in those locations, right? Yeah, or the photos. I mean, if, if, if what we're trying to do here with these, with these graphic novels is take you to that place, mm-hmm. and then I can't help but think that you've got something like Google Maps, which if you could say if you had all these old photos of Santa Cruz, right, and you had them as a tapestry that were attached to the locations on a, a real Google Map, you could almost essentially look back in time. Like right. with Google Street Street View, but see what it looked like back then. Yeah. That's what I guess this is driving at. And so Google Maps has a setting on there where you can go back like five years and you can see the Street View in 2011. Oh, nice. I didn't know you could do that. It's hidden, but you can do that. You can see what that Street View, in, in terms of gentrification in Los Angeles, it's really fascinating. Yeah, you can, I bet. How this place has changed in eight years. But um uh, I thought, man, if you could do that, but if you could take everyone's photos somehow who has a photo and just geolocated at that place and you could almost make this, again, like this mosaic yeah. of what places looked like. I, and then and you could put music. What, what did it sound like? Who were the bands that played at that old club that was there? Does anyone have any video of that? Right. Put, and yeah, I just thought if so this is okay. So it's also we, like a community thing. That also ultimately we would open it up to yes a community. That's super cool. That's like um, you know something we haven't mentioned yet too. And I don't want to I don't want to get go on too much of a tangent here. But one of the things that's super interesting about the books you've done so far is that they come with an audio CD of music from the time. Yeah, which is a great idea. Yeah, it was the idea was that basically. I would find a DJ who was around back then. And I'm going to do this with 87 too. And I, I thought like, what did that time sound like to you? Like, what was the, not, not what, it, not what you think it sounded like now, but what did it really, what, what were the, what were the songs you heard in the, in the grocery store back then? And so that's kind of what everybody did. Everybody kind of did their different take on it. And it was so fascinating to hear everyone's different kind of what they recollect from that from that era. And, um, yeah. So, you know, if you could do that in this, in the same sort of kind of app type of thing, I just thought that would be, yeah, I've always been fascinated with time travel and that's kind of what we're doing here with these storytell, the the storytelling and these, and these, these animations, application, whatever the heck we're, we're kind of doing that. We're kind of taking you back to this place. And, you know, I turned blue in the face telling people these stories. And I thought, why don't I just put them in this, graphical form that they yeah. can get online or in a, in a book someplace and hopefully let that translate, you know? So, yeah, you know. I think it's, a, I think it's an excellent idea and you're, and you're, you know, it's also clear looking at it, how, how much, uh, you know, how much thought goes into, to each issue and into, you know, I mean, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like this just random collage kind of, uh, you know, like mi- mishmash of, oh, this happened and then that happened. It's, there's actually a chronology to it and a, and a, and a narrative, you know, and there's, and there's characters and there's relationships and, 
and all that kind of thing, which it, you know, even for somebody that isn't necessarily, you know, into comics, like, you know, I'm not a comic book guy or anything like that. And I, of course I do have sort of the nostalgia connection and stuff, but even without that, you know, there are friendships and there are rivalries and there are, you know, and there is a narrative and that, you know, that's a, that's a huge part of any endeavor like this, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And it could be, it could be an auto audio book. It can be, uh, uh, you know, an actual paper book. I mean, I think graphic novels are just, it's just the means in which I think that I'm more steered toward telling a story. Um, I, I was considering just doing this as like just a book book, like just write it out, but mm-hmm. I thought uh, a graphic novel would be funner. I, 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 I illustrate, I, I love doing that. Um, but I was reading Keith Morris's uh, book, the the singer from the Circle Jerks. He did his biography recently, and um, you know he just basically basically does the same thing. He describes what it was like living in Redondo Beach in 1979, mm. and you know being a founding member of Black Black Flag and what that was like. And I'm reading this book, and every time he talks about a location, I pick up my computer and I Google Map it. Yeah, that look like now, and that's. Another again, another part of I thought like God, if there was just some QR code that he could put in this book that I could just snap with my phone and totally. see. And that's kind of what I, I ended up doing with this new one. I have QR codes so you can actually hear the song that we were listening to in the background and see what that location looks like now. And then again with this app and this 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 site we're going to build, you could see what it looked like then and uh, get a little more background a, information. You know, that is such a great idea. That's yeah. that's a really cool idea. And you just made me think of have you ever heard Henry Rollins tell the story of when he got recruited to Black Flag? No, I don't think I know that one. It's I, I don't remember all the details off the top of my head, but you know, he does lots of spoken word stuff. He you know, he has been forever. And yeah. somewhere along the line I heard the story of how he ended up in Black Flag, and it's it's a pretty great story. Was it where that he he they uh, someone a, like Pablo couldn't make it or something. So he gets on stage and just starts singing. Yeah. It was like, one of those things where he was just at every one of their gigs, you know, and knew all of the songs and just, you know, and so, yeah, one night for whatever reason, uh, he, he was pulled up to do it and they were like, fuck it, dude, you want to be in? <laughs> you know, and, and he was, he was super young too, I think. Yeah. You know, I'll see if I can I'll see if I can track it down on YouTube and and post a link to this episode since we're talking about it but um but I never, you know, I mean I was kind of ancillarily, I guess if that's a word, connected to punk. I liked punk music um especially I first started listening to it probably in at Mission Hill like around the time when you and I met. Um yeah. you know because my older brother and his friends had just been, you know, and they were freshmen or sophomores or whatever at the time in high school. And so, you know, they were, they were introducing me to the dead Kennedys and black flag and fear and the circle jerks and, you know, whoever else. And so the next yeah. thing you knew, here I am, 
you know, what are you when you're in seventh grade, 12, 13, you know, yeah. with yeah. my, you know, all my book covers have DK and black flag all over them. And, you know, my leather or my, my Levi jacket. And that what we all did. We took our Levi jacket and took a magic marker to it and put pens all over it. And, you know, all of that good stuff and had, didn't really have any idea what any of it stood for or anything. I just knew that it was sort of subversive and I was being like the high school kids and stuff. And it wasn't until years later that I actually started listening to the lyrics, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. yeah. and, but some of that is just such great nostalgia for me now too, especially, you know, especially some of the dead Kennedy stuff. Well, it's, it was, you know, it, it, I think for me, it was scary. Like that stuff used to really scare me as a kid. Yeah. And, I'd look at the albums, the album covers, and I remember seeing like the Dead Kennedys, uh, what was it, Bedtime for Democracy or something, one of their other album covers. And I remember thinking to myself, like, God, why do they hate democracy so much? Not realizing <laughs> that they were being kind of tongue in cheek about it. Yeah, yeah. Know? So, yeah, that's, and, and seeing the kids, the kids around and stuff. And we were, like I said, we were in a hip hop, but they used to really scare the shit out of me. And I remember like really being like viscerally afraid of these these punk rockers and they just seems, and then got yeah, getting to know them years later. And just stuff, yeah. But that, that was a really like seeing someone with a shaved head was like a, you know, that was like seeing a facial tattoo, man. Right. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. That was, that was unheard of. It's like when I got into uh, my rockabilly phase in high school Yeah, and um, one thing, and I've talked about this before. I don't think I, I think I talked about it on the old show, but you know, for a good year, I walked around with a Confederate flag on the back of my leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, remember <laughs> you know? when? You, yeah, that's right. And yeah. I had no idea what that. I just thought I was it meant I was a rebel. I didn't know that there was you know all these other connotations to it, but <laughs> but there was also you know people you know like our parents' age or whatever would just give me these looks. You know, and not because of the Confederate flag, but just because of, you know, I was, you know, I was dressed like I was like it was the 1950s or whatever. And they would just give me these horrific looks. And I finally said something to my mom. I'm like, you know, what the fuck is the deal with your peers, man? They just hate me on sight. And they were like, Kevin, you have to realize that when they were your age, kids like you beat them up and stole their milk money. Uh <laughs> That's so funny. And I was like, shit, I'm just doing it because I like the music. I hadn't considered all of that, you know, because I was, you know, dressing like one of the tough kids, the greasers or whatever you want to call it. But that's like the, for the me, Stephen it was just King a fashion story. thing. That, that was a Stephen King story. Um, sometimes they come back where the, the school teacher is just like in the 80s, he's a school teacher, but he sees like these rockabilly kids. Yeah. Class and they just totally like they're, they just they make his life miserable in the yeah. class. And it's like, I think those are the kids that died when I was a kid. And it, they're his bullies. Right. But back, but they're the same age. Oh shit. I'd love to be able to talk to him and find out if that's where it came from. When the whole rockabilly's craze hit in the eighties and he had flashbacks to the kids that beat him up in high school. <laughs> but it was the idea that this, 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 that these kids died in the fifties, but they came back in the eighties, but they were still the same age. Yeah. But they were just complete assholes, and you know, it turns out they are those kids, and they yeah, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's one yeah. of my favorite things about him. You know, I, I have a book he wrote called On Writing. Um, it's a great book. I've read it, it is. I've read it like four or five times. And one of my favorite things that he talks about in his process 
is, you know, well, what I do is I go, what if, you know, like with Cujo, okay, what if a woman and her kid were ran out of gas, car broke down, it was really hot, there's nobody around, and there was a rabid St. Bernard, what would happen? And then, and then he writes it, <laughs> you know, I, I love that sort of just, that's how simple it is. And then he just falls into the page and something comes out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, I think it's a skill we all have, frankly. I think it's just something that he talks about and other, other writers talk about this too. It's and, and, and with art too. It, it's a muscle you have to flex. Yes. And when I hear people say like, oh, I can't draw, I don't do this. And, and I'm, I, I often just talk to, I talk to a lot of young people, especially young kids who are getting into art and everything. I'm just like, look, you just got it. You got to put in the hours, man. I don't know what else to tell you. It's all about reps. It, yeah, you've you've really got to go in there and just because if you don't, if you do this and you're great at it, and then you stop for ten years and you try to get back into that, you're starting over again. Yeah, like you just got to. It's and same thing with writing. If if if, if Stephen King would have stopped writing for ten years and then go back to it, it's not like he's going to pick up where he left off. Oh, it's so true. I mean, writing is probably one of my, you know, one of the things that at least in the past I, I've sort of switched my focus here to the podcast, but, um, writing was huge for me. I used to, I would just sit down, you know, with notebooks and just write and write and write and write and write. And, um, and somewhere along the line, I almost feel like technology is what, what screwed me up with that because, (laughs) uh, you know, it's like, I, I can't just have a, I can't just have a, you know, a composition book with me. Now I have to have a laptop with me or something, you know? And, um, but it's so true. If you get out of the habit, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's like they say about, you know, shooting pool or bowling or things like that. It's a perishable skill. You know, if you don't, if you don't keep that muscle memory, um, you got to start, you got to start back from a few steps behind. Yeah. You know, I think it's also, it's also how we read. I think, I, I go out of my way to try and read long form nonfiction as well as fiction. Um, and I try to read, read. I actually like, I like to, to check out the book from the library or buy the book or whatever and sit and read. I mean, audiobooks are fine, but um, I think Aziz Ansari made this comment I heard recently where he said, uh, he's like, I don't read anymore. He's like, I basically read the internet, which is like the million page shittiest book in the world. Yeah. And it's how we all read now. We all read. I mean, there's fucking fascinating articles all the time that I bookmark and I go like, fuck, I just, I can't do it all, man. Like, I, I know. I don't want to do it. You know? <laughs> and it makes me, it, it makes me feel, it actually makes me anxious. Yes. You know, because it's like, I, I, I feel like I have to rush through everything that I read. Whereas that doesn't happen when you're reading a book. You right. Know? It's like, ah, oh, I'll turn the page now. It's a, it's a much more leisurely activity, but when I'm online, I'm like, all right, I got to get through this one so I can see what that other, all that clickbait, I got to check all that click clickbait. So let me get through this so that I can go onto that. And it's like, no, just calm the fuck down. Right. You know? And I think the nature of reading things online too, is most of the time when we're online or instead of a front of a computer, it's usually, we're, we're usually supposed to be doing something else. That's true. This article is here as this kind of, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's the procrastination machine for sure. Yeah, man. Yep. Yep. So true. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I know you've, on some of your shows, you've talked about technology and everything. And, uh, um, God, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of days ago because we we're saying how like, fuck man, the internet, it's like the internet. I just don't think humans can handle it. I yeah. really think it's, it's just too much, you know, it's too much. Inf- I mean, it's like, it's like you're giving a squirrel a driver's license. Yeah, totally. Ran off the road. Like that's what it's like. It's like, it's just, we, we're just not there yet. So I, 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 cause I feel like everybody's just going crazy. Yeah. It like, it got, it, it, it grew too big, too fast or something. I think you're right. It, it's, you know, we are not, we're not built to cope <laughs> with this much information, you know, and that's, and that's why, you know, all the fake news is, is, and, and you never, it's, and the, and the news cycle is so fast now that that's why Trump's getting away with so much of this shit, right? Because in the time that it takes to research one nutball thing that has happened, seven more happen. And it's just yeah. impossible to keep up with. And not just Trump with anything, you know, any, anywhere on in the news cycle, it's, it's like, it, it just, it ha, I mean, the, I guess if you're the target of one of these stories, it's a good thing because you know, you know, in 20 seconds, somebody's going to see a squirrel or a shiny object and, and they're going to forget all about the story about you. But it, when it's stuff that's actually important, and and it, and there's just such an avalanche of information to try and pick through. Yeah. It's it's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, something big happens, and it's it's very hard to cut through that clutter, man. It's uh, and that's also I think detrimental to people who are trying to you know market online or get something out there. You've got a lot of choices, and uh, you know, I mean, that's um, that's it's tricky, man. You know, totally. Totally. I mean, I mean, even something as simple as simple as direct messages on Twitter, right? I don't even look at them anymore because for the longest time, every single one of them I got was just a bot. Right. right? And so now it's kind of like, well, I hope none of these are actual people that want to have a conversation with me because I just assume they're all automated. So I don't even look at them anymore, you know? Um, and that, that kind of stuff drives me crazy too. It's like, you know, aren't we supposed to be using this kind of stuff to communicate, but it, it gets so bogged down with all of the, all of the trolls and the bots and the spammers and the everything else that, you know, and that's why they keep coming out with new platforms, right? Cause each one is supposed to fix the ills of the one previous, but then you just discover a whole new set of ills. Whole new set of problems. Yeah. 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 It's kind of, it's interesting. It's an interesting time. And I think it's fascinating in a way. For it's sure. fascinating how we're, um, you know, how we're navigating through this. But, you know, I have two small kids and I just can't help but think, I mean, I don't know what they're going to be doing. It's not going to be this, but, oh, yeah. uh, it'll be interesting. It's why, you know, I think with, with those guys, my, my, with my boys, I really try and keep them as far away from this stuff as I possibly can because I know. I know that they're eventually just going to get, it's going to become in their face and probably a part of their body. Potentially for sure. Yeah. And that's definitely going to be within their lifetime. And I just think like, fuck, at least I can give them the first five, 10 years of their life as just being completely analog, 
go for a hike, check shit out, and then go ahead and just get nuts, you know? So I think I that's, I think that's a really good strategy. I think that's a great idea. You know, my daughter's 19 and she is kind of, you know, she's one of the first, uh, she's of the first generation that has never known a world without the internet. You know, I think yeah. I was on, I think I got online in like 93 or 94. Yeah, I was in my 20s. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and she was born in 97. So, you know, and when, when you and I first got online, it was, you know, AOL, AOL and, you know, the 24K dial up connections <laughs> or whatever they were, you know, try and download one picture of a girl in a bikini took three hours, you know. Yeah. I remember getting online and thinking like, Oh, really? This is it? Right. Me too. <laughs> like, Segway? Oh, God. Like, it was such a letdown. It really was. <laughs> um, give it time. And then when YouTube came along, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. This, I, I was working at kind of a YouTube uh, 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 style company at the time that was in its infancy. When YouTube came along, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. okay. Wow. This is amazing. Oh, watch anything I want. Jesus, man. And uh, so every once in a while, there's these, like, these leaps. But yeah, when it first started, the internet, I thought like, this is just stupid. And there was like commercials and stuff on TV of people making fun of it. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was it, at the beginning, it was like, it would literally be faster to drive to the library and find an encyclopedia if you yeah. want to look something up, you know. But the speed at which it expanded, you know, I mean, it's it's almost... You know, I'd love to hear Neil deGrasse Tyson compare the the expansion of the internet to the Big Bang and the expansion of the universe. You yeah. know, because oh. it really did exponentially just explode at some point. You know, um, and 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 we're never satisfied either. No. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm completely wireless now and still get pissed off if I don't. You know, if a page doesn't load immediately, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. The fuck? Right. I got a good Wi-Fi connection. I got full signal. What the fuck? You know, right. and, and we never will be satisfied. We always want our phones to be faster. We always want our computers to be faster. We always want everything to be cheaper. We always want everything to be, you know, so as long as we've got, as long as we've got that hunger, there's going to be, you know, a, a place for nerds to fill our hunger you know, to, <laughs> yes. to find, you yeah. know, I'm looking at upgrading my phone and I got, when I got my iPhone six, it was what? 64 gigs. And that was just, that was two years ago. And that was absolutely the shit. And now 128 gigs on the seven is that's the midpoint. Wow. You know, the, the big one's 356 or whatever it is. It's crazy. I mean, when you think about in our lifetime, the computers that went to the moon weren't nearly as powerful as what we walk around with in our pocket every day. Sure. Yeah, Moore's Law, man. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, when I first moved to L.A., um, I landed a job at this place called uh, Digital Entertainment Network. Um, it it, it kind of it 
it's a very infamous dot-com story, and I guess if anybody listening out there wants to Google it, you go ahead and Google it. There's a Wired article about it that... Will- it sounds somewhat familiar to me, but I'm not... I'll have to yeah, see if I... Uh, Wired did an expose on it about 10 years ago, and it was one of these holy shit things. Because I was, I was aware of some of the stuff that was going on, but I wasn't 100%. I, did, I didn't really know how bad it was. But anyways... Um, but everyone threw money at this damn thing, and it was going to be this new network. It was all these NBC people and uh, Disney people came all up on board and said, "We're going to make a new online network. It's going to be a TV like uh, Spike or you know TNT, Spike TV, but on the internet. Right. And we're going to make all these shows from scratch." And so we did all this R and D. It was it was an amazing job, and I was there for a year. And um, you know, by the time we got the videos up, they were the size of a postage stamp. And they were, uh, you know, maybe like a minute long and they take like a half hour to load. Yeah. <laughs> and I go home and show everybody and they're like, well, this is what you moved down there to do? Really? This, wow. this, so, and, and they were happy I had a job, but it was like very, uh, um, yeah, it was 1998. And I remember it was just, it, it was seemed like such a letdown. And then again, like a YouTube came around and just said, no, this is how you do it. Guys. Right. And, but, uh, yeah, and the yeah. amount of work that it took for you to get that little postage-sized video that took forever to load, and then everybody was just totally let down. Yeah, right. and, and you had to pick your player. Oh, you that's know? right. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. You had to go to your parents' house and go, okay, so what media player do you – okay, uh, real. Okay, now we have to download the real player. Yeah. And by that time, they're just looking – they're looking at each other going like, <laughs> and so it off, the shows were terrible like the the, the actual shows that the content the itself content, right was just really bad so you know it was a it was a bit of a letdown but uh it was exciting but at the same time you know it's one of the things like you had to go through that to kind of learn the stuff that we do now so yeah you got to walk before you can run and all that kind yeah of, yeah 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 wow but, well, this has been a little slice of heaven, man. Oh, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> We're coming up on about 90 minutes, though. So okay, I think um, I try not to, you know, every once in a while I go in these insanely long. And I think I tested my audience with this one that I just did with my daughter. <laughs> well, that's understandable, like man. You know. <laughs> five hours. Um, but let's do this again. I'd like to have you on, you know somewhat regularly if you're into it you're always a really interesting conversation Are you down for that yeah for sure man i mean i i'm, yeah, I'm just uh I, I think santa cruz is always going to be such a huge i mean i think when i when i'm especially when you move to a big city i think that yeah i definitely part of my life and part of my work is always going to be even though i've probably lived down here almost as long as i live in santa cruz by this point but that location is still such a huge part of my dna that it comes out in all the work i do and I'm really lucky. So I, uh, I think that you're kind of one of the voices of this place and you're part of my past, you know, and, uh, and my history. And I think that that's something, yeah, I'm always, I'm, uh, this is an interesting connection that I always kind of want to keep. So awesome. Know? Awesome. That's super cool to hear. I, you know, it's funny. You just made me think of the whole time I was, you know, cause I was back East for almost 20 years and you know, Wait, it's, where, where were you back East? Where was I? Yeah. I was in Delaware. Really? Oh, yeah, the the Diamond State. 
Wow, okay. <laughs> but what uh, what's that? What brought you to Delaware? Uh, well, when I was living in LA, uh, I moved down to LA in like 90 and in 93, I met a woman and okay. fell head over heels for her. And, uh, a few weeks later, she decided to move back to her hometown and she was from Delaware. So I went, can I come oh. with you? And so I did. And a couple of years later we got married and a couple of years after that, we had our daughter and off to the races. You know, wow. uh -huh. yeah, okay. it was crazy. And I kept, uh, you know, in the back of my head, I was always like, well, I mean, obviously we're going to move back to Santa Cruz, right? I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, it just took me a while to get back and I had to come back by myself, but now Taylor's out here and it's all good. And Dawn's coming to visit. Her mom's coming to visit here shortly. So that'll be fun. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, the funny thing was, is, you know, back there, I would get nicknames like Malibu and Hollywood and, you know, <laughs> all of this kind of, and, and to them, I mean, anybody, anybody that's from Santa Cruz that knows me does not consider me necessarily the most laid back guy on the planet for sure. Right. But compared to like, to them, I had, I was this total California stereotype. Yeah, Even, we don't realize it then. Yeah, it was it was really strange because I'm like, wow, if you think I'm laid back, you should meet some of the dudes I went to high school with. You know, yeah. you think you think Jeff Spicoli is a is a parody? No, there's actually dudes like that. <laughs> some characters, man. I think like sometimes I tell people about some of these folks that we grew up with or just that we hung out with, and they just don't believe me. No, they no, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they don't believe there's actually like guys. someone like Chris. Okay, someone like Chris Singer. That's the first name I came up with too. <laughs> I tell people I had to put him in the comics. I, I tell people I'm like, yeah, this is one of these guys where I ran with him. Holy shit! Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, and then you know, I mean, and then he just turns into just one of the greatest stories ever, right? Oh yeah. Jesus. Ooh, man. Yeah, that's some nutty stuff there. And then you know. I don't know. You know, it's like I, my friend John, I don't know if you knew little John, um, John Bush. Um, he was like one of our part of our crew of skinheads. He didn't go to San. He might have gone to San Andreas High for a little bit, but um, God, you probably I feel like you should. I feel like you should know him. But, um, you know, he was one of these guys who never really kind of got his bearings and always had a tough time. Didn't really do anything after high school. Just started bartending up San Francisco. Mm -hmm. you know, he got linked up with. Uh, with Fat Mike from NoFX, um, and they ended up going to the restaurant business together. Mm -hmm. And they own like six restaurants now in New York City. No shit. Yeah, so you know he came out here a few months ago, and he's doing really, he's doing really well. Like he is, I would say he is one of the biggest success stories I know. Like this guy is like, it's a, he's in the restaurant business and it's thriving. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's you know there's a, it's funny because I'm not. I lost touch with so many people uh, because I was away for so long and then didn't, didn't really, didn't really reconnect until Facebook came around. Yeah. And, that's um, and that yeah. was probably 2009 when I even started sort of reconnecting and then, um, you know, and then somebody can't remember who it was, but somebody, cause I was like, I really would have thought I would have found more, people you know and they're like well if you put your 
old last name on your Facebook profile, you'll probably find more people. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So I hyphenated my name and included my original last name for a while. And all of a sudden, there was all these other people. Um, Jakowski, was it, what was it again? It was Jaskolski, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, pain in the ass name. Um, but... Um, but that, you know, so I kept that for a while and then, and then once that sort of wave of, uh, that wave of reconnections seemed to be over, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to it. Cause I've been using Riley since I was 18, you know? So it was even weird for me just seeing it on the screen, you know, it was like, wow, I haven't seen that name behind my first name in a long time. Wow. Huh. And it's funny because the main reason I did it isn't it, you know, it's funny because you go from having one name that you need to spell every time you say it to another because of the way we spell Riley. You still have to, everybody thinks it's R-I-L-E-Y, right? So you still have to spell your name. So it doesn't make it any easier in that respect. But the main thing was, you know, my heritage is mostly Irish. I've got this little tiny bit of Polish in me, um, a little bit of German, a little bit, of, you know, I'm essentially a mutt, but lots of Irish. And, um, you know, it's kind of like it just and and plus I was, you know, with the intention of being a movie actor. Um, is that right? Is that is, is that something you. Oh, that was I, I wanted to be a stuntman and an actor. Those were my some from the time I was about shit. I don't know. Ten, maybe maybe even younger than 10. But um, yeah, that was my. That was, I still run into people who I haven't seen since I was a kid who were like, yeah, you were going to be a stuntman and a movie star, I remember. That's all I ever talked about when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, uh-huh. so I needed a name that was a little bit easier to read on the marquee, you know? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. I moved down here in my late 20s, so I think that um, – yeah, it was interesting. I didn't think I'd stay. I I, I moved in here with a girlfriend, and I thought like I'm gonna hate it. And then, um, you know, I just I got I got some work, and next thing you know, I'm the animation guy. And then, fuck, man, it's like, how can I go back to Santa Cruz now? Right? I mean, people call me back here. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I still look, I still feel that way. It's like people actually call me back, right? And people want to do things and follow through. And I just thought like. I didn't, I didn't get that in Santa Cruz, man. I just never, I, I, it got, I got depressed. I felt like, uh, everything I wanted to do, I just uh, felt like I was, you know, I mean, it could have been just me, but I, I felt like, Oh uh, no, it's, it's still that way here. I mean, that's how I was able to build my handyman business so fast. It was crazy. All the, the reason I got so many repeat customers, like pretty much straight out of the gate is when they called me, I either answered the phone or I responded to their voicemail. And I showed up when I said I was going to. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's all it took. It was like, oh, well, you know, I, I woke up this morning and saw the surf report and figured you weren't going to be here because that's what they're used to. You know, they're just used to these, you know, that's what a handyman is in Santa Cruz is a guy that doesn't want a job, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but you know, I mean, I I nearly – when I first moved back to California, I went to, I, I made a stop in LA on my way back to see, you know, to stay with my, uh, some relatives for a couple of weeks just to, you know, just to kind of chill and whatever before I came back to Santa Cruz. And 
um, while I was there, my uncle's like, Hey, I know a couple of people that need some work done. And then, you know, so that was a way for me to make some cash. And so I did that. I was able to borrow tools. And then, um, you know, my, my uncle who's now a screenwriter and a couple of his buddies used to be Imagineers. They used to work for Disney Imagineering. Is that and, right? Huh? Yeah. And one of the, one of the guys was like, Hey, I've still got, I've still got some connections with Disney. If you want me to throw your name out there, you know? And I was like, fuck yeah, building fucking rides. I'd love to do that shit. You know? And he's like, I also know some guys in the property houses around Burbank, you know? And I'm like, and so I was like, if, if one single one of these job opportunities pans out, I'm staying in LA. Even though, even though for 15 years, my, my, only goal had been to go back to Santa Cruz. It's like, oh no, if I can work in a property house or, or, you know, building fucking roller coasters for Disney. Yeah. That, that's worth staying in Delaware for. I mean, not Delaware, Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, you know, it sort of turns out that that guy's one of those. He, he had, you know, somebody finally pulled me aside and went, he means well. He has absolutely good intentions. He wants to help you. Um, he's just not real big on follow through. So don't hold your breath. <laughs> and yeah, that's sort yeah, of eventually yeah. what happened. I mean, like if I if I had my choice, I'd probably want to move my kids to some place like Santa Cruz just because of the environment. Yeah, because of the the weather. I mean, just just the beach and everything else. I mean, it's not so bad here. It's just uh, you know, it's it's L.A. It's it's it's, it's a big. It's got I think it's got a lot cleaner. Um, but uh, and it's changed in a lot of ways since probably the nineties. But um. You know that that part of the that, that part of California is still my home. I mean, it's still It'll, yeah. You can't if you grew up here, you can never you can never completely sever yourself from it. It's just there's no other place like it. That, you know, right? And, and that's why the medium home, median home price here is now almost nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, man. Yeah, my parents are still balls. there, and so they're you know they're 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 doing they're doing well, but it's just uh, I mean they'd be crazy to move. You yeah. Know? they did they could probably move wherever they want but it's just like uh yeah they're settled in and everything but um i think in terms of moving in terms of moving back there yeah it's not happening yeah it's tough yeah all righty well i think it's i think this is a good a place as any since especially now i have some editing to do (laughs) yeah yeah, i think some of the stuff i i kind of like i said some of the stuff's just it's like pending right now and it's getting yeah, I know for sure. I, you know, want to be careful about, you know, and also talk, talking about people by name and stuff like that. I try not to do too much, but we're just chatting. You know what I mean? So I know I like, I like talking to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's totally simple enough for me to go back and find places to, uh, to cut and paste, you know, and things like that. So no, I'd rather, I'd rather just have a natural conversation and then fix it for broadcast than have to be the whole time going, Oh, I can't say this. I can't say that or, you know, whatever. Just. It ruins the whole flow of the thing. Yeah. So, okay. um, so yeah, this was, this was fantastic, man. I'm really glad you were able to do it. And, um, I think I have, I think I have everything I need that I might want to link to for you in case listeners want to, you know, check out your site and stuff like that. But if there's something, if there's something I don't have, I'll either hit you up, I'll either shoot you an email or, or I'll just hit you on messenger or something. Yeah, let me know, man. Let me know for sure. But uh, yeah, this this was this was a lot of fun, Kevin. I I really appreciate it, man. Awesome. So, I'm glad. I'm really glad that that's fun. And hopefully we can do it again. You know, and keep me posted if you have stuff. You know, 
coming down the pike, if you got, you know, if you're ready to release something or if they're just anything, you know, always let me know. And if there's, if there's anybody that you know down there or work with, or, you know, if, if somebody finds out that you're on the show and they listen and they've got something they want to talk about, you know, I'm always, yeah. I'm always open to chatting with new people and stuff like that. That's what this whole thing's about. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put the word out. For awesome. Sure. Awesome sauce. All right. Well, I'm hopefully going to have this done and ready within, you know, within a day or two. So I'll give you a heads up when it's ready. Okay. Okay, All right. cool. All right, man. Thanks again. This was awesome. All right. We'll talk soon and uh, look forward to hearing it. Same here, man. All right. Later. Later. Hmm.